Fear. Such a little word, but it holds so much power. What is it? Where does it come from? Why are so many people living in constant state of fear while others seem to live their lives with what appears to be a fearless and free, carefree attitude? Can we survive in this world without it? And how do we distinguish between fear and phobias? What, if anything, can we do about it? In today's episode, we'll break it all down for you. But first, as always, before we begin, because of the times that we're living in, a brief disclaimer is offered. This podcast and any of its related websites and social media platforms are for your entertainment and possibly personal enlightenment purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose, persuade, or change you in any way without your acquiescence. So, if you feel triggered in any way by the message being brought to you and brought to light, or if you feel the need to get professional help, please do so. If you don't resonate with the messages here, you'll know it right away and you'll always have the option to move on. Any and all of our associated affiliates, sponsors that we may promote, shall remain their own entity, responsible for their information and or products. By utilizing our website, our podcast, or any of our forums and affiliates, you indemnify this podcast, our parent company, its partners, and descendants from any and all possible perceived legal obligations. So with that said, stay tuned, subscribe today, so much more to come. Hey, Dark Side crew, welcome back to the Dark Side of the Human Condition. My name is Freya, and if you're new here, we're glad you found us and welcome. Here we dive deep into the abyss in each episode, and it's my hope that here you'll find some answers to many questions relating to that shadow side of our lives, what it is, and how do we learn to incorporate it into our lives on a level that we can not only understand it, acknowledge it, and use these experiences in a constructive way to enhance our lives going forward. So with that said, I invite you to find your crew at our home on podbean.com or wherever you get your podcast fix on. And for more info, you can always find us at our website at tdsothc.com. Let's explore together and find some of those elusive answers to some of our many dark human conditions and concerns. So with that said, let's dive in. So fear. What is fear? Is it an emotion? Is it biological? Is it a mental disorder? All of the above? Well, yes, and yes, and maybe. It's true that fear is an integral part of the human experience that is as primal as the ego's need to survive at all cost. So what are the origins of fear? Are there many levels to it? And how can we overcome our fears and live a more serene and peaceful existence? Let's break down the core essence of what fear means, its origins in the human species, 
And where in our lives we can control those moments when we feel like we're being consumed by it. It has been one hell of a scary year uh, for humanity, that's true. A year like no other, for sure. But what was the core of such fear? One theory is that humans have a genetic predisposition to fear. Fear things that we don't understand. As well as that we're a threat to our ancestors. Such as snakes, spiders, heights, or water. But this is difficult to verify. Although people who have a first degree relative with a specific phobia appear more likely to have the same one. Others point to evidence that individuals fear certain things because of previous traumatic experiences with them. That fails to explain the many fears without such origins. Let's take a look back in history of fearful emotions and anxiety that are the results of both biological and cognitive processes that allow us to respond to and interpret danger in our inner and outer environments. As these states accompanied by very specific bodily sensations has fascinated our minds throughout the history of the human existence. Though evolution, all living mammals have developed a a perceptive ability to focus on things that seem threatening and respond emotionally with a feeling of fear. Fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger that has been pivotal throughout human evolution. But especially in ancient times when men and women regularly faced life or death situations, sometimes on a daily basis. I think about the caveman. Uh, They were probably in fear quite a bit. Anyway, Aristotle believed that fear worked in the body via heart and blood. He believed that an angry person's blood, for instance, would radiate away from their heart and cause angry behaviors and thoughts. He also believed that fear was the opposite. Blood contracted towards the heart, making the body cold and leading to many of the physical symptoms like trembling, sweating, sometimes uncontrolled urination that very fearful people experience. He also believed that fear was the opposite of confidence and that the world was reducible to pairs of opposites like hot and cold, wet and dry, etc., It was also his assertion that we associate great men and women as those who suffer through fear and anxiety are the ones who overcome fear's effects and that the cure for fear was not to act in um, virtuous ways, including being courageous, but he believed not advocate the pursuit of fearlessness to be fearless was a sign of imbalance and it was considered crazy to not fear the gods and the all-consuming influence they had on the environment. 
in more recent history according to an insertion that I found on the Wikipedia. Hermann Göring, who was a German political and military leader and a convicted war criminal, was also one of the most powerful figures in the Nazi party, which ruled Germany from 1933 to 1945. He explained how people can be made fearful and to support a war they otherwise would oppose. He claimed that the people don't want war, but they can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders easily. All you have to do is tell them that they're being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and for exposing the country to danger. It works the same in every country, he said. Kind of sounds familiar as of the recent events surrounding the whole Vax issue, huh? So back to some history. In her book, State and Opposition in the Military Brazil, Maria Helena Mor- Maria Alves found culture of fear She used the term to describe methods implemented by the National Security Apparatus of Brazil in its efforts to equate political participation with risk of arrest and torture is one mechanism used to punish members of the military by legally declaring them dead. This enhanced the potential for political control through intensifying the culture of fear as a deterrent to opposition. Alves found the changes of the National Security Law of 1969 as beginning the use of economic exploitation, physical repression, political control, and strict censorship to establish a culture of fear in Brazil. The three psychological components of the culture of fear included silence through censorship, sense of isolation, and a generalized belief that all channels of opposition were closed. A feeling of complete hopelessness prevailed. In addition to withdrawal from opposition activity. Again, I asked, does any of this sound familiar? this past year we were all isolated constantly bombarded with the threat of a virus and that we must isolate ourselves in our homes and demanded that we not participate in life itself and in order for our lives to get back to normal you need to be injected with an unproven and potentially life-threatening gene therapy drug that's not actually a vaccine by the way No thanks. But I digress. A former U.S. National Security Advisor, Zygmunt Brzezinski, he argues that the use of the term war on terror was intended to generate a culture of fear deliberately because it obscures reason, intensifies emotions, It makes it easier for demagogic politicians to mobilize the public on behalf of the policies they want to pursue. 
and a former professor of sociology, Frank Fioretti, and a writer for Spiked Magazine, says that today's culture of fear did not begin with the collapse of the World Trade Center long before September 11th. He argued that public panics were widespread on everything from GMO crops to mobile phones, from global warming to foot and mouth disease. Like perceptions of risk, ideas about safety, and controversies over health, the environment and technology have little to do with science or empirical evidence. Rather, they are shaped by cultural assumptions about human vulnerability. Furiati says that we need a grown-up discussion about our post-September 11th world based on a reasoned evaluation of all of the available evidence rather than irrational fears for the future. A British academics, uh, Gabe Mythen and Sandra Wakate argues that following terrorist attacks in New York, the Pentagon, Madrid, and London, government agencies developed a discourse of new terrorism in a cultural climate of fear and uncertainty. UK researchers argued that these processes reduced notions of public safety and created the simplistic image of a non-white terroristic other that has negative consequences for ethnic minority groups in the UK. And in 2004, the BBC documentary uh, film series, The Power of Nightmares, Subtitled, The Rise of the Politics of Fear, a journalist, Adam Curtis, argued that politicians have used our fears to increase their power and control over society. Though he does not use the term culture of fear, what Curtis describes in his film is a reflection of this concept. He looks at the American neoconservatives movement and its depiction of the threat first from the Soviet Union and then from the radical Islamists. Curtis insists that there has been a largely illusionary fear of terrorism in the West since the September 11th attacks and that politicians such as George W. Bush and Tony Blair had stumbled onto a new force to restore their power and authority using the fear of an organized web of evil from which they could protect their people. I remember watching the news that evening um, that Bush said, we're going to warn Iraq as we were being threatened with weapons of mass destruction and that we were going after the evil doers, quote, unquote. I remember thinking that um, the look on his face was that of a liar. Of, are the masses buying into this bullshit? We now know so much more about what transpired during his reign of power. I call it his reign of terror, but whatever. 
Some may call his reign of terror we now know more than we ever thought possible. How many innocent lives were destroyed over political lies yet again? I often wonder when the human race will stand up to these oligarchs and stop allowing them to lead us into a constant state of war after war. Stop letting them use humans as cannon fodder for their psychopathic need for power and control. But politics isn't the only place we encounter rulers of fear. I will be having an episode all about political agendas down the road. So for now, we'll get back to the main topic here. So again, politics isn't the only place we find fear and ruling through fear. But what about the workplace? The organizational culture, the toxic workplace, and workplace bullying. Ashforth discussed potentially destructive sides of leadership and identified what he referred to as petty tyrants. Leaders who exercise a tyrannical style of management, resulting in a climate of fear in the workplace. Partial or intermittent negative reinforcement can create an effective climate of fear and doubt. When employees get the sense that bullies are tolerated, a climate of fear may be the result. There have been several studies that have confirmed a relationship between bullying on one hand and an autocratic leadership authoritarian way of settling conflicts or dealing with disagreements on the other. An authoritarian style of leadership may create a climate of fear with little or no room for dialogue and with complaining being considerably futile. Kind of like what we've been experiencing as of late when we question anything from the 2020 election outcomes to the handling of the virus, the powers that be shut down the world for when it turns out that it was 99% survival rate, like the common cold or the flu. We've been silenced. For what purpose? I mean, even right now, you know, this episode here could be taken down because, you know, it doesn't go along with the narrative. Even now, a year later, we're still being censored. Why? I believe when you question the narratives, which you should, especially when your intuition tells you something doesn't seem to be adding up, well, you're probably closer to the truth than you know. In a study of public sector union members, approximately one in five workers reported having considered leaving the workplace as a result of witnessing bullying taking place. A climate of fear in which employees considered reporting to be unsafe, where bullies had been tolerated previously despite management knowing of the presence of bullying. Individual differences in sensitivity to reward, punishment, 
and motivation have been studied under the premise of reinforcement sensitivity theory and have also been applied to workplace performance. A culture of fear at the workplace runs contrary to the key principles established by W. Edwards Deming. For managers to transform business, he says, effectively, one of his 14 principles is to drive out fear in order to allow everyone to work effectively for the company. Sounds good in theory. But how many managers actually adhere to this form of management style? As they are also just a cog in the wheel and under the constant pressures from the higher-ups. I was a department manager years ago and I remember one of the other managers asking me one day, how was it that I was able to get the employees to do their job without a hassle? And why is it that she had so many issues with employees of her department? I simply told her um, that it comes down to respect. This person treated their employees like children that constantly needed to be controlled, reprimanded, criticized, and demoralized. Whereas I just wanted to treat my associates the way they deserved, like how I had wanted to be treated. I find that most people understand their position, what's required of them, and are willing to give the best when they feel that they're respected for their efforts, as in let them know when they've done a good job. Let them know you are there to help them achieve success. But unfortunately, there are people in these positions that really have no business being in management. It's just the way it is. So if you're working in this type of toxic situation, you may want to find a way to remove yourself and seek opportunities that resonate with your soul that helps you become your best while maintaining your human dignity. Remember, we are only stuck in any given situation as long as we allow it. And that would go for personal relationships as well. So what about the impact of the media from mainstream to social media? Since the invention of the radio and then the television and eventually the internet, the consumption of mass media has had a profound effect on instilling the fear of terrorism in the world. Even though acts of terror are rare, beginning in the 1960s, George Gerbner and his colleague have accelerated a study of the relationships that exist between media consumption and the fear of crime. According to Gerbner, television and other forms of mass media create a worldview that is reflective of recurrent media messages, or some may call it the narrative, rather than one that is based on reality. Many Americans are exposed to some form of media on a daily basis, 
with television and social media platforms being the most used methods to receive both local and international news. And as such, this is how most receive news and details that center around violent crime and acts of terror. Since the rise in the use of smartphones and social media, people are bombarded with constant news updates and able to read stories related to terrorism. Stories that come from all corners of the globe. Media fuels the fear of terrorism and other threats to national security. All of which have negative psychological effects on the population, such as depression, anxiety, insomnia. Politicians conduct interviews televised or otherwise and utilize their social media platforms immediately after violent crimes and terrorist acts to further cement the fear of terrorism into the minds of their constituents. They assure the people that they have the solutions and all we need to do is keep them in power and they'll take care of everything. Never true, is it? The problem here is that most people don't care to do the research and just believe what is reported and live in a false sense of security, believing that you must go along to get along, or I'm only one person, so what can I do about anything? This is not true. I believe we were given a brain to think for ourselves. We were given the power of intu intuition to know on a gut level that something isn't right. But how many times have we disregarded that knowing and lived to regret it? I know I've been there a couple of times. We were given a voice to speak our truth and how many times have we remained silent when we should have spoken for the truth? How many times have we stayed in unhealthy relationships for one reason or another when we knew in our heart that this is not where we belong. I could go on and on with examples from now until the end of time, but you get my point. We do many of these things out of fear of the unknown, as in, what will happen if I speak up? What will happen if I leave this relationship or this job that is making me sick on so many levels? I believe that we are living in a time of revelations and not necessarily in the biblical sense. For some it may appear that way though. Like we are in a battle between good and evil, but more in the sense of waking up to so many truths about our world and the lies and deceptions that we as a species have been living through. Although this past year was something that we have never seen before, I believe it had to happen in order for people to reevaluate their own lives, as in how they have been living so blindly, been asleep at the wheel, ignorant to their own enslavement, that the masses have been under the control of a few with devious plans for world domination. Conspiracy, you may ask? Maybe. And maybe not. 
That's for you to decide when you do your own research. This may be hard for some to believe, and if that's you, I'm sorry to bring you the inconvenient truth, but you will see it if you just wake up and utilize some critical thinking skills. Living in fear has been the modus operandi for a very long time, and we need to find ways to trust ourselves when it comes to living our best life free from the noise that surrounds us on a daily basis. Every day we wake up to more and more truth coming out about many things that we were told to believe without question. When this happens, it can cause us to question our own abilities to discern between what is true and what is not. That's when I will revert to what I said earlier, research and intuition is key to helping us move forward in a life on our own terms. Gordana Bernat wrote The Essence of Consciousness, and she states in her Psychology Today piece, and I quote, that you decide what occupies your mind. You choose where you put your awareness. She goes on to say that fear has the ability to alter our perception of reality in many different ways. There are two kinds of fear. One, acute, life-saving direct fear, which heightens our awareness, and one slowly sneaking indirect fear, which lowers our awareness. The same basic emotion, fear, produces completely different results depending on how it enters our reality and how we cope with it. She gives the examples of being in the midst of a car accident in fear of losing your life will heighten your awareness, sharpen your perception of time and space, and activate your thinking and actions. This, she says, is an example of acute life-saving direct fear. The adrenaline in your bloodstream will make you alert and quick thinking. This type of fear actually gives you power by telling you what to do now in order to save yourself from life-threatening danger. Your attention is focused in the now moment. And when the immediate danger is over, you have the time to recover by resting your mind and letting your body regulate the adrenaline back to normal levels. By contrast, being perpetually reminded of negative things which you seemingly have no control over. She says, for example, the notion that no matter what you do, you will never be good enough or the prospect of losing your job or fear of an invisible virus or the war on terror will lower your awareness narrow your perception of your options and stagnate your sense of time and space. Aristotle defined this type of fear as pain arising from the anticipation of evil. Because it focuses your attention and your awareness on an unknown dangerous future making you believe that you need an outer savior to rescue you from imagined lingering threat. Unquote. 
Kind of like what many are perceiving right now about President Trump. As in, he is the one who's chosen by God to save the world. I've heard that quite a few times. Yes, we are in a very scary times with this current administration. I'll be the first one to say it. I would agree with many of this, but I also believe that whether or not President Trump returns to the White House at some future time, there's not one man on this earth that is going to save us all from the evil that is currently going on in this world. We as a people must save ourselves, and by doing so, we can save our planet and all of its inhabitants. That is my firm belief. We must save ourselves. Gordana Bernat concludes her article by stating that the above is an example of slowly sneaking indirect fear. The initial adrenaline in your blood will eventually turn into toxins that not only alter your mind by slowing down your thinking and stopping you from taking actions aligned with who you truly are, but actually cause decay in your body. So yeah, that might be a lot of stress related issues. Fear can bring a lot of stress, right? Slowly sneaking indirect fear, she says, is also an illness generator. It triggers disharmony frequencies in your body that while disguising themselves as normal ingredient in your everyday reality, effectively reduce the quality of your life over time. Unquote. The French poet and novelist Anias Nin reminds us that life shrinks and expands in proportion to one's courage. If you want to thrive in your life, you must have the courage to say no to fear because the more fear you allow in your mind, the smaller your life will become. Find the source of your fear, name it, and have the courage to detach yourself from them. For example, turn off your TV, do not gossip, avoid reading tabloids and less serious magazines. So the good news here is that you can limit the effects of slowly sneaking indirect fear in your mind and your body by actively choosing not to let your surroundings influence you into dwelling on negative thoughts for longer periods of time. The doctor believes that reality is never as fearful and dangerous as the news media presents it and wants you to believe. Look at your immediate surroundings. Look at the nature around you. Nothing needs to be feared in this now moment. Everything is as it is, like an intricate dance slowly changing between stillness and motion. That is all. She ends her article with another quick way of getting rid of negative influence from your surroundings is to consciously select your friends and other people with whom you interact. Sometimes you need to simply say no to others and yes to you. 
so that you can give yourself time to recreate peace in your mind and body. So at this point, we know that fear is an ancient, it's been around forever, and that mankind has served, it served its purpose to mankind for survival and control of us. And once we realize that, we can use it to better our lives. We can begin to let go of those moments that paralyze us and move past them with some actions that we can put to work immediately. How, you may ask? Well, one, recognize what your fears are and if they are serving you for safety and security purposes or if they have, you know, if they're irrational, what ifs acknowledge and deal with them from that point step back recognize those thoughts as stories calmly evaluate whether they are true or rational as this can be a powerful step forward overcoming them number two maybe if needed seek some professional counseling as in psychological therapy minus the drugs hopefully if possible as they can lead to addictions, health problems from side effects, and even death. There are many therapeutic options that don't include pharmaceuticals. So, you know, that's kind of where if I needed therapy, that's that would be my options, you know. Number three, don't surround yourself with negative people who constantly see the bad side of things without seeking the opportunity to use those moments as a moment for positive change. And number four, set realistic personal goals that are not set in stone because life rarely works that way, as you know, but instead be flexible enough to leave room for adjustments when needed. Number five, turn off the mainstream media. Find alternative sources that resonate with your soul and are not always trying to scare you with the latest crisis narratives. Number six, listen to music that eases your mind and body. Meditate, take a yoga class, volunteer, get a massage, create something, spend time with children and see the world through their eyes again to remind yourself that the world can be a wonderful place after all. It's about your perspective after all. I've recently been spending time with a little girl who holds my heart in her hands and Hopefully I'll be around long enough to watch her grow and, you know, just see the world through her eyes once again. It's pretty amazing. Number seven, most of all, trust yourself. Don't sweat the small stuff. You have within you a powerful soul that will reflect what you believe. So speak kindly to yourself and those you encounter in this life. I used to tell my children to look at the big picture and everything. 
We are only here on this earth for a brief moment in time. And why spend our time on useless endeavors around negative people? A final thought today is this. We know that fear is inevitable. If people didn't feel fear, they wouldn't be able to protect themselves from legitimate threats. But we don't have to live in it constantly or let it rule over our everyday lives and control our future, no matter where it's coming from. Only you can decide how it affects your mind and your life. So take your life back starting today. So as we wrap up another episode today, we've come to my favorite part, the quote of the day. This is a Japanese proverb. Fear is only as deep as the mind allows. What this means is that you are the gatekeeper to your inner world. You decide what occupies your mind. You choose where you put your awareness. And as we come to the end of the show today, I hope I've enticed your mind just a little bit. Maybe you're asking yourself a few new questions or maybe found an answer to some. I'd love to hear your thoughts as to what you may have received out of this show today and what dark areas you'd like to explore here on future episodes. I look forward to diving deep into many more topics with you and dissecting many more fascinating human experiences. For more info, please check out our site at tdsothc.com. And if you like what we're bringing you, consider supporting the show on patreon.com forward slash tdsothc. And as always, remember to hit that subscribe button on your way out so you'll get notified of our new episodes. And remember... If today has you feeling anxious, confused, triggered, or even weary, take a moment right now to quiet your mind, breathe, let go of all distractions, embrace the mindfulness, focus your intentions on what you really want, clarify and let go of that which no longer serves you, and remember your determination is your power and your peace to realize your true purpose as these brief but mindful moments can allow you a new path to arise. So till next time, walk in the light on the dark side, right here where your vibe attracts your tribe.